0: This is Sounds Like Teen Spirit, with your host, Charlie Fat, presented by Brushes on Slice Radio. Hey, thanks, Craig. I'm Charlie Fat. This is Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Thanks so much for joining me here on Slice Radio and via podcast. Well, you're in for a treat today. It's part two of my Maynard special. Maynard and I chatted for so long, I had to split it into two episodes. So Maynard will be joining me again right after these two tracks from The Electric Six piano plays This is Sounds Like Teen Spirit. I'm Charlie Fat. Thanks for joining me here on Slice Radio and via podcast. That was The Electric Six with Gay Bar and Danger High Voltage. I'm joined by Maynard. Hey, Maynard, there was a rumour that Jack White from The White Stripes was singing on that first Electric Six album. I don't think that's ever been substantiated. What do you know about this?
1: Well, well someone asked the, uh, the band members if that was the case because the band had a competition. Um, uh, with their fan base going, hey, you want to sing on on our album? And uh, the rumour is it's just some guy who was a mechanic and he was the only one that entered the contest. And so I don't think that was anybody from the White Stripes. Interestingly enough, Kate Moss is not in the White Stripes either, but she's in their film clip. What's going on? Yeah, I I just don't know what to do with myself. And I thought, hang on, I'm pretty sure she's not in the band. And the Electric Six still uh, very active,
0: still producing music.
1: 13 albums, people.
0: I don't think they're going to uh, ever
1: overcome the, uh, the the high point of "Gaber." Oh, I I even if I'm doing an easy listening night, I play that track. <laughs> Because and it's a great track to finish the night with. If you want a bit of a break before another DJ comes on to change the mood or something, it is just perfect. And if you've got a floor tom to take along, just just get it get going on the floor tom. And look, trombone is also well. I'm not playing a trombone; it's packed away in another part of Mainland International Studios. But yeah, it's great to play your trombone along to.
0: Hey, you may well have played that song uh, at my wedding reception. I can't remember.
1: I think I did because nothing says romance more than gay bar.
0: No, of course, of course not.
1: White wedding, gay bar. Nothing says life, lifetime, lifetime commitment than gay bar. No, nothing, nothing does. Uh, let's talk no. about the nineties. So, um, we we'll talk about Maynard in the nineties. So, I, I thought I'd talk about the Keating government fiscal policy, but okay, I'll just have to scrap those notes up.
0: No, no, that's, 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 let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what you were up to in the nineties and and the high points. Um, for me, the nineties. Uh, is going to your uh, club Betamax. So club Betamax was uh, at,
1: uh, held at Club 77, if that's my memory working. Yep, clubs Club 77 in William Street, Sydney, the club with the smelliest toilets in Sydney. And I know that's a hard call because there's a lot of, I mean, the Q-bar toilets were pretty smelly. I'll give them that. Imagine the person who bought a flat that's where the Q-bar toilets are now. I'm sure you can probably still smell them even in your flat. Even though it's been rebuilt, but yeah, the Club seventy-seven. Because I was in there after, uh, during the daytime after they had cleaned the toilets, and they still. I, I don't have I I don't have strong memories about the toilets, but I, I
0: certainly remember um, around this time smart drinks were being brought in, uh, and we were told, oh, you know, you don't 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 drink alcohol, take a pill, and and have a smart drink instead. And of course, being one of the only drivers in my group. Uh, I wasn't drinking, uh, and so therefore I'd, I'd take these weird uh, smart drinks made at the bar, and it was essentially just sort of a powdered sort of cordial thing. They added some water to it, and I paid a fortune for them, and and nothing happened really.
1: Pretty much like Lucasade, And I, I think uh, the uh, technical name was... Uh phenokinonutrix or something Uh, phenokinonutrix was what they were under at that time
0: yeah well no no longer available but in my head so this is a golden years of going out this time was probably uh, look i'm thinking this was around sort of end of high school beginning of uni when you know you've got your results and uni doesn't start for months you got nothing better to do than grab a bunch of friends in my head we went to club beta max for many 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 weeks in a row and we've had conversations about this Maynard, and you reckon it only went for six weeks but in my head we went for months and months and months and uh, apparently it only went for six weeks
1: yeah well it was only it was kind of a successor to the mad club and it was just very like at that time there was so much nightlife going on in Sydney. It was the opposite of what you got now, where there was none. There was so much going on that trying to get people to come to one club for any length of time, because everyone would go club hopping, was a difficult thing. Yeah, I, I just ran it for six months, and uh, and I was it a Thursday night? Any idea? Yeah, it certainly was a midweek
0: type of evening. Mm,
1: yeah. So uh, so it was probably so I it was better a better earner for me to do. Uh, special guest spots at other people's clubs at that point after that but because running your own club and i also tried to do a sh- club called prozac at the old lay girls which was still a bit uh organizing crimey kind of thing on the tail end of that kind of stuff before it got redeveloped in the cross. and i remember uh the guy who was running it i just turned up sometime and they went oh he's gone on a long holiday and um Yes, and that only lasted about a month as well because they basically wanted too much money from me to do anything there. So um, I stopped that one as well, but man, the poster was great. I don't remember that one at all. I don't think I went to that one. No, well, it only went for a month and it was on Friday nights. It was filmed by the lovely people at Red Television, which I later ended up working at. So it did do me some good in that department.
0: So for the uninitiated, uh, in terms of Maynard history, we have Club Betamax. But the, before that,
1: we have the Mighty Mad Club. Tell us about the Mad Club. The Mad Club ran from December 1987 with my involvement, a bit like Banana Rama, with my involvement through till about 1993. So we got like five or six years every Monday night. And I just gave it up because I was doing too much. Uh Uh, because I'd done breakfast on Triple J all the way through it, so you'd finish at the club at at three or whatever, then you'd have to be up at five to go to work and do a national breakfast show. And and Plus, I was working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, doing guest spots uh, sometimes all around the country and everything, and just having to do Monday night was too much. And also, the person who bought... Uh, the Piccadilly Hotel just didn't like the mayor clubs didn't like our kind of thing so it's a classic thing of you get a new owner and even though you're pulling 700 people through the door every Monday night which is what we were doing at that point uh, over that whole evening um, in a club that probably only fitted Two or three hundred, maybe. Um, uh, people would just come and go. And it was great because you'd have us, we'd have a bit of a warm up section with some bubbles by Jeff the shopkeeper. Then the Mad Club would play for about two hours. Then Tim Ritchie would finish off the night with uh, contemporary music. So whatever you wanted on Monday night, it was in this one club. So people would come along, and all oh, we charged, I think it was outrageous. We played. I think we charged $5 on the door and people got really upset when we charged $7 on the door towards the end, I think. Yeah. So, and yeah, and she just didn't like us. And so I thought, well, if she's going to, because she didn't like the uh, music we played, didn't really like the the way we tend to set things on fire. Owners can be funny about that in a club, oddly enough. Um, and so I just stopped doing it. And other guys did it for a while with that, but with absolutely nothing going on there, it lasted for six months after we stopped doing it. So it, it certainly had some legs to it. And I'm sort of regretting now that I stopped doing it, but y- you can't do everything, which I was trying to do at the time. I used to describe it as kind of like life on 11. If you offered me a gig, I would do it because you would never know when you were gonna get offered another gig. And at that time I was getting offered a lot. And I I just said yes to all of them because I knew it wouldn't last forever. And that's not a bad policy, but it is a good policy to burn yourself out. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. And I think I only went to one formal, you know, original mad club gig. I don't remember where it was, but it was at a venue that was closing that night. And so the mad club show ended with, uh, boiled eggs going through an industrial fan towards the audience, uh, you did your uh, baked beans down the under front of your underpants uh,
1: show, which I famously did at the Endmore Theatre supporting village people in 2015. And oh, did we got we get complaints? I was assaulted, and I'm thinking, hang on, I never left the stage. What do I, because one baked bean landed on someone's white jeans? Yeah, and then uh, you you poured lighter fluid on the floor, set the floor on fire, and we danced uh, the last couple of songs uh, with the floor on fire. That's right. Um, did we do the uh, the extension 240 volt light that uh, Rodney would swing around his head? And as he would go onto the dance floor, I would chant over the microphone, swing that light, kill somebody, swing that light, kill somebody. Always a great thing to hear in a nightclub. Oh, absolutely. And, and
0: so much fun. And then uh, I think once the mad club closed that night, that venue was
1: not reopening uh, due to the state of it. Ah, oh, was that? that was the was that that King's Cross venue the one the venue that used to be round midnight at King's Cross possibly i have no recollection of where it was that's what it was that was the one you're talking about it was at king's cross and we did that for 2 months and the whole venue just never worked because they were trying they only had one night a week that was working and all the other nights really didn't work and the mad club was kind of working a bit and yeah uh yeah that i uh, yeah it was round it was what round midnight became for a while and it was basically uh, pe- at that stage, people just thought you could just open a nightclub and you just make money automatically. And if you were laundering money, probably could. But the other way uh, to get people, yeah, it was, you know, you've got to know what you're kind of doing. And I think that's also an art that's been lost in Sydney nightlife with the fantastic premier that we've got now that just does everything well. Um, and she's very, look, she's got the lockdown laws, but before that she had the out laws, where. Even though anybody could go out anywhere, she wouldn't let them do that because uh, someone was punched at six o'clock at night and and died, which was a terrible tragedy. And so because of that, no one was allowed to go to a club after 1 a.m., uh, which would not have changed the outcome of that person's life if that law had been in... Yeah, I always find that a bit odd. So there was, there was something going on there. But, gee, there's a lot of nice flats available now in King's Cross. Lots and lots of nice flats. Uh, mm, re- nice redeveloped flats at uh, at really overinflated prices.
0: So once we, uh, we we had the Mad Club, we had Club Betamax, there was also uh, some attempts to make some TV pilots. I recall being in the
1: audience maybe Twice uh, at Selena's, I think it was for. No, it was it was at Kinsellas upstairs, up, upstairs, top level of Kinsella's, and we had Ma- we had Maynard's Fist Me TV. Tell me about Fist Me TV. That was a great little pilot we made with the help of a production company. We had Ber- Bernard King uh, judge the talent contest. Um, we would have guests, and I would play clips. Basically, it was a a TV clip show with a few games in it. And we, I think I did that for a month at Kinsella's every Friday and Saturday, and some nights went well. It was just a very hard show to explain to people. Um, and uh, but it was basically a TV show you're doing live, so it looked great as a TV show, but as a live show. Trying to carry it on your own, although having a band, Jackie Orsowski was the band for one of them. James Valentine was the band for another couple of nights. And what we filmed is pretty much what got me my gig at uh, Foxtel. I started work at Foxtel on their FX channel when it actually was a channel. And they used to have Australia, when they had Australian content and Australian presenters on Foxtel, which probably will never happen again, really, unless you're like a uh, housewife with a lot of... Uh, Work done, you're probably not going to be seen on Foxtel in the near future. Oh, unless, of course, you're carrying a football or, or you're Alan Jones. Or you're Alan Jones. Good point. In fact, at one stage, they had the Alan Jones show and the John Laws show on Foxtel at the same time. And there was a rumor that they'd been measuring each other's offices to see who had the bigger one. Oh, God. I, I, I really hope that's not the case. But also met Stan Zemanik as well, another shock jock who's no longer with us at that time as well. So it was a very interesting time at Foxtel. And of course, I moved from FX channel where I was hosting. Oh, look, look, they say if you're doing a job you love, it's not a job. And that is so true. But as Conan O'Brien has said, it is very, very difficult find something like that particularly in the creative sphere there's been a few jobs that have just been my dream jobs breakfast on triple j was a dream job although very difficult because of the hour sunday afternoon fever was probably my favorite thing i ever did on triple j uh because i had complete creative control and for three hours i could play whatever music i like which was also the case on the breakfast show but on a sunday afternoon it was great fun and uh I had two years of doing that, and that's great. i have still got most of those shows on dat. I should put them up because they're also a great time capsule of the way Triple J was changing as well. You know, yeah. Suddenly, you're getting promos for the new Jimmy Barnes album. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but there are also on uh, also when I was at Foxtel on the Channel V doing the Rewind show uh, twice a week, I'd come on and play retro clips and talk about them, and that's my idea of heaven. In fact, that's what I've been doing on my live stream here every once in a while, Rama, when we do, uh, I, I just grab some clips from my library, play them and talk about them. And you've been involved with that. And I did that during the last lockout and I've just done a whole stack. There's like four hours worth of Castanet Club clips and influences and, uh, and the Rama show I did a while ago. The only reason I'm not doing it anymore is it's only just so long you can have your lounge room turned into a TV studio. So it's completely unusable for anything else. Um, but I probably in September, I'll come back with a Monadorama. Over at Maynard.com.au people. Sorry to go on about that. Is that did I answer your question?
0: Oh, of course. Of course well, there's no there, look, looking back, um Channel V's no more, um, whatever we have now, M T V, whatever, there's no such thing as VJs
1: anymore, are there? No. Well the, you know, who would have picked that the complete bum would have dropped out of music videos? Who would have thought that I there you know, I even I I always thought that no matter the way the media changed, that you would still want film clips but and film clips still are important, but they're just on YouTube now.
0: That's right. And and on, on cable TV, uh, there's just some computer pulling clips out and
1: playing them. There's no more human content. For, well, kind of no more human content. And the thing is that what they often say about it is that um, uh, I've often been described by managers who don't like me as a polarizer. And that's certainly true. But as soon as you put anybody on television hosting anything, you're going to polarize someone doesn't matter if it's the most likable. It doesn't even care if it's Andrew G. Put Andrew G on there. Sure, people will like him, but there will be people that don't like him. So it's often best just to play the film clips because there's going to be people who aren't going to like the film clips being presented. Um, and, and that's pretty much what, what they do with MTV. MTV got out of the music business quite some time ago and into the reality TV business, which is why they had to have MTV2 to put the music on. Uh, and also, if you've want to watch a bit of music or even retro music and that it's i'm always puzzled by people that are complaining about being bored there's all you've got to do is do a bit of curation for yourself well i've watched every single possible movie on netflix well maybe you should read a book or maybe you should start a, a one person mime show or something it really annoys me because there's so much out there that um get off your bum you get yeah, your fingers do the walking go to some place on the internet you don't normally go Recommendations are great from friends, they're often going to be correct, but discover stuff yourself. This is Sounds Like Teen Spirit with Charlie Fat, presented by Brashes on Slice Radio. <laughs>
0: TV talk a couple of things uh, from fistbe oh, TV
1: tell me about the the wheel of whoospie w- whospie very the wheel of whoospie which was a phrase whoospie was a phrase that uh, Johnny Goodman or, or uh bowling man or something would say from the Castanet club wospie whospie and so wheel of whospie because it doesn't mean anything but we actually so we had a physical wheel of wospie built which was on a 45 degree angle and it was on a old uh Chrysler axle and it was built to take the weight of a person spinning around and I took that with me from house to house to house until I had a place in Katara in Newcastle when I was living there and there was there was a garage but there was no way to physically get it down the side and so it ended up going to um, a mistress at the cross and being turned into a I think it's called a Spanish wheel for bondage enthusiasts it went there and she sent her slaves to um newcastle to get us and off it went so the wheel of Wispy has been repurposed as a bondage item although it's probably not brightly colored anymore like it used to be but what a great idea hey it could it could still be out there it could be out there somewhere at the cross i gotta say yes because it wasn't a venue i'm sure the bondage uh, stuff's still going on at the cross at the castle that sort of thing yeah
0: and uh, of course, my biggest memory of Fist Me TV was witnessing Simon Day from Rat Cat have a go at singing Barry Manilow's Copacabana.
1: Oh, yes. And we've, that, old, old, that, made the final, that made the final cut. The only reason I haven't put that show up is because if I put it on YouTube, it's got so much copyright strikes, you, you, you'd, you'd get knocked over. But you're right. I should probably put that show up on my own website. There's also
0: another pilot that I think you invited me to be in the audience for, uh, recorded possibly at the old Channel 10 studios uh, in Lane Cove. I think it was
1: a clip oh. clip show uh, about... Tilt, tilt, tilt 23 and a half. Well, that was a really weird one because um, they tested so many people. There was myself, there was Julie McGregor, there was the a woman who was hosting these the smash hits show in the morning and frankie j holden all of us tested for that and they used none of us <laughs> none of us um and it's classic like it's like god oh, just pick one and 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 do the show but they ended up doing another show with frankie j holden i think it was melbourne only that was kind of clip based and they did one with Tim Ferguson on Channel 9 that was a very similar thing. Um, I forget what it was. It was was called Horrible TV or something. One of his shows. Uh, Unreal Unreal TV. Unreal TV, yeah. And I think that was a Channel 9 version of it. And Channel 7 were just so scared of the idea of having a host going kind of wild and doing stuff and playing wacky clips. They just didn't get it. Like, they were trying to be hip and get with it. And, And the Frankie J Holden version, they came up with... Was more like a, a truncated Tonight Show, and there was a host with him, so it wasn't really tilt. So that show went absolutely nowhere, but it was a, but you know, but it's exactly what you would watch on YouTube now. Yeah, just just wacky clips of people doing strange things. Wacky clips would really brief links of a host giving you a bit of context. And that's the main reason you want to host. Like, you don't want to host there so you can hate on them. You want to host to just give you a bit of context. Of course, that can also be done with with subtitles and stuff as well. That's a perfectly good way. But yeah, uh, But um, that's one thing I've always been kind of good at is kind of doing wacky hosting that's the one thing i can do which no one wants anymore at all in the world is wacky hosting i've only just finished doing some stuff for the newcastle museum because no one could see the music no one could come from sydney to see the castanets. so they got some local bands to do covers of castanet club songs got some archival footage of the castanets and uh got some uh, got me to make some castanet club cocktails and one's coming out actually um At the weekend, you'll be able to see episode two of Almost Live from the Castanet Club over on the Newcastle Museum Facebook page, or um, there'll be a link to it on the Maynard Facebook page, or you could go to the Castanet Club Facebook page and it'll be there. I'm amazed they're able to get a second episode because um, COVID has shut down a lot of filming, so the bands must be filming stuff at home and sending it in. So, yeah, and that's been the kind of show I've been doing. The problem is there's just no money in anything anymore. Oh, except maybe houses, maybe? There might be money in that.
0: Money in houses, certainly. Was there? Uh, was there money in mind? Twist. Let's talk about mind twist.
1: Just to wrap up, Maynard TV again. Again, one of my. Oh God, I love doing that show. Um, and they picked me for, uh, and the casting agent. I forget who it was. Uh, probably a drinker because all casting agents at that time were drinkers in Sydney. Um, it was not. He shouldn't be hosting a kid show, but they needed someone because it was shot where Aerobics Oz Style was filmed. So it was an enormous studio. And instead of having to set up all the different games for the kids in one studio, they would set up all the games around the studio, all 10 games that would do in the, in the half hour. And what you would do, they would play a five or six second bumper that would just go mind twist, woo, woo. Um, music by the guy who produced the Castanet Club, Chris Harriet, who did the music for it. And in that five or six seconds, I would run with the kids to the next game. And we would run around the studio. So you are running, hosting, running, hosting. And you know, there aren't a lot of people that can do that apparently. <laughs> And also, it sure it was on at eight o'clock in the morning. It was nominally called a kids' show, but uh, it was basically for those people that I knew that had been up the night before.
0: And a great, a great fun, uh, but very hard to find nowadays. The best I could do is just a bit of a, a bit of a compilation on YouTube. Uh, are the tapes out there
1: somewhere, Maynard? Um, yes, I think if there might be, I think there's. If you look on my Maynard YouTube channel, there might be a whole episode. And, and I've been putting stuff up because that's something I want to put up because it's all G-rated. The dialogue's completely wacky, but it's all G-rated. And uh, the questions are really quite fun. Yeah, it's actually not... not a, I should actually put them up as well. I've got, I haven't got have got all of them on VHS, but I've got quite a few of them. And I probably should do that, you know. Um, and I don't think there'd be any copyright problem because cause it ran for an entire year. Um, the reason no one's ever seen it, it was on at 8 o'clock on a Saturday and a Sunday morning um in 1995 or something like that i think that's when that was on and um you w- we would do 6 months worth of shows in 2 days so not only were you running around you're running around and you're doing three shows in the morning three shows in the afternoon which was at that standard for filming quiz shows but we would just do that day after day and uh, and so in a week in a week you'd have um Well, you know, yeah, you'd have 60 60 shows done.
0: (laughs) I think by this time I was probably a little bit old to be in the audience for it. But were you? I
1: was not. Um... Uh-huh. because because I would always go because the parents would always sit up the back, and I'd go, "Hey, let's meet the big kids up the back," <laughs> and, I, and I'd go and sit with them with my uh, with my I had had a, a, a train engineer's hat and going woo woo, and you know, and of course there was there was very complex because I'm not a very bright person, so I was I was depending on Magic Mark, who was the guy who was the uh, uh, who basically would have the answers for me there and I had the answers on me but I couldn't explain whether the answers were because basically most of these kids could spell better than I could but I still have costumes and I still have a giant e from the show as well which I kept and also I was on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune in which I asked for an e for from Baby John and he sold me one too oh and was that during the game or after the game oh during the game in yeah. fact I had friends in the audience and that the crew was just pissing themselves laughing because i'll have an e for i'll have an e (laughs) and my second one i'll have an s for i'd like to buy an s for speed thank you and like and yep it went to air i i don't know if i have a tape of it i do have a photo i was on with Stuart wagstaff and rachel from hey dad oh rachel beck yeah yeah rachel beck yeah and it was filmed filmed in adelaide yeah um and yeah it was, a, it was a and stuart and next time i saw stuart wagstaff was at a rocky horror uh because he was the first ever uh narrator for the first rocky horror show in australia and what a gentleman what a guy and one of the highest uh, liked of anything i've ever done on facebook there's a photo of him doing an uh, an ad for uh benson and hedges and he's coming through customs with this woman wearing like uh, the biggest mink hat on a head and he's basically bribing his way through customs with a whole pack of Benson and Hedges to a customs agent and I'd say the ad's 1969 or something like that and he just looks like the coolest guy in the world with the tweed pork pie hat and that has got like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of likes people like that photo it's a great photo because everybody you know sure if you can't be um if you can't be weirdo Yankovic you might as well be Stuart Wagstaff absolutely and we and we lost we sadly lost Ernie Sigley this week. We did too. Um, and and uh, one of the Twitter accounts I follow is Oz Kitch. Oz Kitch, and uh, to to commemorate uh, Ernie, he uh, he basically said, "Well, you know, Johnny uh, uh, Johnny Cash sang in a jail, and so did Ernie Sigley, and he had the TV week with uh, Ernie Sigley and uh, Ding Dong singing at Pentridge Jail in Melbourne. <laughs> Why not?" And of, course, and, of course, Ernie Sigley has the pantomime uh, prisoner's costume on with the hat striped. Very funny. Well,
0: it's hard to believe that this is a music program. Maynard, this set, what have you chosen for us this time? Tokyo Scar Paradise
1: Orchestra. Well, I, I, I think the Tokyo Scar Paradise Orchestra are backing Yum Yum Orange here with uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy. That's what I chose, wasn't it? Absolutely.
0: And one of the biggest regrets of my life, Actually, I have many, but one of them is I never saw the Tokyo Scar Paradise Orchestra play in Sydney. I understand there was a, a crazy tour probably in the 90s.
1: Uh, yes. In, in fact, if, um, if you go to, <laughs> again, if you go to maynard.com.au, I spoke to them on Sunday afternoon fever directly off the plane from Japan. They came straight to the studio. They did a gig that night in Macquarie Street at the Picardi Club, and I played with them. There is not one photo I can find of that. Not one photo. Of course, there's no video.
0: And I didn't go, but I understand, uh, like most Tokyo Scar gigs, the audience was up on the tables at the end, that sort
1: of thing. Oh, immediate and, and, and then they did The Basement, I think, on the Monday or the Tuesday night, and then they were out of there and they did a gig in Perth that was recorded by Radio National, which I think I have a recording on. on real real-to-real tape, not quite sure. And then... That was it. They've never come back because, you know, a 12-piece band from Japan is prohibitively expensive. And, and of course, when I went to Japan twice, I hung out with them both times and interviewed them, and I found them to be a fascinating bunch of guys. They were just great. Um, Klina Gomura um, uh, is no longer with us, uh, the lead singer who's doing stuff at the time, but they're still around. Um, and, of course, they closed the Tokyo Olympics. Yes, I
0: understand that. I'm trying
1: to track down a clip, but I haven't been able to find one. Oh, that's a problem in bloody olympic stuff they they never let any of it out because there's also that great uh, the uh, the closing of the london olympics when they did uh uh when orbital did a version of Ian uh Spasticus Autisticus. it's fantastic it's uh it goes into a sort of a rave thing at the end of it and uh and where he's going get down, get down, get down, get down, roll over. Everybody does a move on that and people are flipping cards around. It is a fantastic, but of course, no, you can't see that because that's the Olympics and, you know, well, who knows? Someone might want to to hold their own London Olympics and we couldn't have that. Speaking of
0: fantastic, the second track you've chosen uh, for this set is from Murray Wilson. Tell us about Murray. I had never heard of Murray Wilson until this past 12 months uh,
1: watching and listening to your programming and uh, that name comes up a lot now. I've got rather obsessed with Mari because Mari was uh, fairly formative to the Castanet Club. Uh, She was uh, doing a a glam kind of thing and uh, her album was on vinyl and it wasn't released here easily in Australia to get. And a couple of the members had it and had this glamorous photo of her on the front. And inside it had a wacky sort of carry-on style calendar for 1983. It was released around late 82. And her big hit was Just What I Always Wanted, which is Pretty close to being the perfect pop song again. I love it, and the album, and she does a Motown meets 80s. And the producer for the album was uh, sort, of a, sort of a second to Trevor Horn. So there's a lot of production in there. It's super duper pop and her early stuff sounds very Motown. So I got some of her CDs in the early 90s and listened to them once or twice and didn't think too much about it. But on looking back at the Castanet Club, I'm going, yes, she did really influence us in a very subtle way because her motto was it's a glamorous song and it's glamorously sung. And I think if she had gone back into the 60s in a time machine, she would have found the 60s not 60s enough. She was incredibly 60s, had a huge beehive. And uh, one of her last singles in 84, I think it was, or 83, was wonderful. And it's got all your 80s tricks of production in it. Uh, Her voice is soaring above the whole thing. I've seen her live a number of times on YouTube. And no matter how bad the PA is, no matter how hot it is, no matter how much the beehive's hitting her in the back of the head, she never sings a bum note. She's got a great voice. Um, I think she's impervious to a bad PA and not many singers can say that. Um, And so I've got wonderful from her. And to see if you can, um, uh, there's got the gated snare drum that was really quite big in the 80s. Um, And it's just a great little wash over track from no film clip ever from it. There's like four or five of just what I always wanted of her doing Top of the Pops. She does a fantastic, Tear jerking version of Crimea River on the album as well. But I, I didn't want to bring everybody down. I thought, no, let's have some Mari with Wonderful. So let's get Scarring from the mid 90s with Yum Yum Orange. And if you don't get up and dance around to that, you're yeah, well, there's something wrong with you. And if you don't feel all warm from hearing Mari doing Wonderful, yes, she's wonderful to be with. Be with us tonight here on Slice Radio. No!
0: This is Sounds Like
2: Teen Spirit with Charlie Fat, presented by Brushes on Slice Radio.
0: Hey, I'm Charlie Fat. This is Sounds Like Team Spirit. Thanks for joining me here on Slice Radio and via podcast. This has been a mammoth episode. Thank you so
1: much for joining me, Maynard. Look, thank you for inviting me along. Because let's let's face it, no one really wants to hear what I've got to say, and I've been saying far too much today. There's been some. There's, there's going to be some hush money needed to be paid by people after this. There's been there's been gossip spilled, certainly. Uh, and I'll get the lawyers prepped now. So we've. We've visited the Electric
0: Six. We went to Tokyo Scar Paradise Orchestra, Mari Wilson. This is a '90s music show. We've barely touched on it. Where could we possibly go to end
1: the show, Maynard? 1969, of course, <laughs> because as a DJ, and I'm sure there are many DJs listening now. I know Fat Boy Slim always listens, because I mean, he's your your name's got to do with him, hasn't it? You know, yeah. That's right, Charlie, Fatboy Slim. Um, and I tell you, this song is uh, one of those songs, uh, like Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, you've got uh, Angry Anderson running around doing, so you are the Christ Herod song, I believe it is. Those are the songs you wanna have in a musical because you're not in the entire show. You can turn up late. You can turn up halfway through the f- first act and get into makeup, come out and do you are the Christ, and yay, then back into the dressing room and then just come out and do a bow at the end. Um, as i said earlier sammy davis jr had that in um Woolly wonka and the chocolate factory in the movie uh although he's not in the movie that's correct he's not in the movie there's a guy who looks a lot like conan o'brien singing it in the movie but sammy davis jr has the hit with candy man and uh which is maybe why they got in for this not oh no, no this is before this 1969 sweet charity a, a, a movie and a stage play about a um A society woman, uh, someone who's a dancer, gets paid to do dances and things like that. So it's borderline what was really going on there. So I always thought that's a bit odd that a lot of schools did that. They They must have had a good way of hiding what the profession was in the dialogue. Anyway, Shirley MacLaine is in this. Richard Saunders from The Skeptics, I think, is in it. Because um, she's she, she's with a guy who's wearing a grey suit and looking very disapproval disapprovingly at someone who's trying to sell some snake oil. So that's but Sammy, it's uh, all the uh, the choreographies by Bob Fossey. So it's all over the top and it's crazy. What we're going to play is from the soundtrack, the original soundtrack, which is not bad, but. Have a listen to the YouTube version because the YouTube version is from the soundtrack, the cinematic soundtrack. The stereo separation is wide. You can hear things being, it's, it's, much better produced than what you're about to hear in the two-track stereo version. Cause I don't know, maybe you couldn't fit all that much stuff on vinyl at the time. It is a great song. And because you want a song to finish the night. I've often finished with um, Duncan Shane as seen in um, First Brutal's Day Off. That's a great song to finish a night with. Um, oh boy, uh, Barry Manilow doing Can't Smile Without You. That's a good one to empty the club out and has a big finish. Um, and this one is another great one, Rhythm of Life. It's a fantastic song. And I've even got signs for the ending. Uh, I've even got a sign that says, which is the last thing that Sammy sings. And I've also got signs that say, Sock it to me, let me hear you. And you will need those signs, and you will need to do some serious dancing. Throw yourself around crazily to this. The rhythm of life, it is a powerful beat. It puts your rhythm in the fingers, it puts the rhythm in your feet. And if you want some rhythm in your life, get along to maynard.com.au. There's over 200 podcasts there that are audio. I have over 20 or 30 one hour or longer video shows there with music and bits and pieces in them as well you may enjoy going back to all sorts of things and thank you for listening to slice radio because this radio station you think this show's hard to put together think of dan who has to try and put the entire station together is dan okay did he get those sort of um tranquilizers and stuff i sent him i tried to send him some stuff from the valley of the dolls did that come through to him he might need some tranquilizers when he sees the playlist for this episode. Oh, look, he'll be right. He'll be right, and I think it's great that you guys are doing this out of Orange. I think you know you are pumping it to the world. And is there anything you would like to add? Is there any last questions you would like to ask me before I go uh, back to my lonely life of nothingness? Um, tell us about your Patreon. That is right. Um, it's there's there's a. Uh, between 40 and 50 people who are the finest people in the world that are at patreon.com slash Maynard. And those people uh, give some give as little as $1 a month. And what can you buy for $1 a month? I'll tell you, me, that's what you can buy for $1 a month. In fact, the Patreon pandering is something I put out at the beginning of every month, which only the Patreons get. And I actually asked everybody what they would like this week and no one's answered me yet. What would you like? Would you like like a music set from somewhere? I know. How about an episode of Mind Twist?
0: I would love an episode of Mind Twist or Simon
1: Day uh, singing Copacabana. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can find that um, see if I can find the Fist Me TV pilot and put it up. As a Patreon, Charlie can ask for that. But uh, most people can't. If you go, well, you've got to give me at least a dollar. And some people give more than that. So patreon.com slash Maynard. And also there's a whole stack of me DJing both in visual and audio form. I'd say there's probably eh, probably 30, 30 hours of DJing there you can listen to as well. So all that will make the the uh, the the lock the, uh, the pandemic go just that bit slower. But as I always say, uh, do, do not take pandemic advice from a podcast.
0: And if uh, seeing Maynard live floats your boat... Covid pending of course we're due to see you supporting uh Ratcat for their 30th anniversary of the Blind Love
1: album gig is that right I'm the MC and uh, um yeah yes I'm just playing a little bit of music and MC but of course um they've 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 had to reschedule but they haven't announced the rescheduled date and I do know what it is and I got a feeling we aren't going to make it I'm afraid oh that's a bummer I've got my tickets I cannot wait to go well and 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 you, and, you know everyone missed out by one week one week it, 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 the lockdown came on I yeah I was actually going to the gig <laughs> with everything in the car oh and then I had to um uh, yeah anyway yeah so yeah so uh, yeah it, it we, but just, it was days in it because also who who wants to go to a gig with a mask on that's how the other problem as well you know I mean I don't know maybe going to see a band with masks on would be okay but I don't know, because the way we're going to go forward with this, and I really feel for everyone in the Australian entertainment industry, I really do, because I don't think anybody in politics knows how bad it's been. It's it's like, I mean, everybody knows bankers and real estate agents. What if you shut the banks and the real estate agents? I mean, people use them all the time, but it's just a whole profession. the uh, the, the whole hospitality industry and entertainment industry has gone away in New South Wales, and there's people who aren't going to come back. And there's only so long you can go without an income where you just give up on doing something because it's basically soul destroying and no income coming in. Um, I myself, am just wondering if I'll ever DJ again because what's gonna happen is when everything comes back, there's gonna be such a rush of people wanting to have gigs. You're not gonna get a gig for quite some time and who knows if there's going to be another lockdown around you know so it's yeah your future is even more uncertain than it is the only thing you can say as a performer and I'm speaking to you the performer that's listening now is that we're a little bit used to this um, we really do on an ongoing basis. We don't know where the next gig or bit of money is coming from. It's just gone on an awfully lot longer. Not that that makes it any easier for anybody. Um, I'll just get down off my uh, Sean McAuliffe high horse now. Well,
0: hopefully we'll be seeing you uh, MCing the Rat Cat gig, celebrating a birthday uh, between 30
1: and 35 probably for the album. Yeah. And, and, look, and if it, look, they will have one eventually. And the, it's a great support too. I'm just trying it's, Oh, it's It's uh, Lana
0: Russek from The Hummingbirds and Jody Phyllis from The Clouds.
1: Yes. And and b- both of those bands were bands that I played uh, that played the nuts out of when I was on Triple J because they had such wonderful whispery vocals and everything. A bit like the the Killjoys, Melbourne's Killjoys, another one of my favorite bands and they're still around too. And you can probably go and see them occasionally in Melbourne sometime soon. So go see the Killjoys when they come back.
0: Well, mate, thanks for joining me. It's been a fantastic hour and a bit uh, of show. Sounds like teen spirit. Thanks so much. Uh, Why don't I leave you to introduce our,
1: uh, our end song with Sammy Davis Jr. Look, Daddy started out loud in San Francisco, tooting out the trumpet loud and clear. Now, what can I look? And if that is an advice for life, I don't know what is. See it, maynow.com.au. And remember, the ending is
3: dwiddle, 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 dwaddle,
2: Daddy started out in San Francisco tooting on his trumpet loud and mean. Suddenly a voice said, Go forth, Daddy, spread the picture on a wider screen. And the voice said, Daddy, there's a million go, pigeons waiting to be hooked. Go, new religions hit the road daddy leave your common-law wife spread the religion of the rhythm of life and the rhythm of life is a powerful beat puts a tingle in your fingers and a tingle in your feet rhythm in your bedroom rhythm in the street yes the rhythm of life is a powerful beat
3: to feel the rhythm of life to feel the powerful beat (laughs) you <laughs> feel the tingle in your fingers, to feel rhythm rhythm the
2: tumble in your feet. Daddy, go! Go, go, Daddy spread the gospel in Milwaukee, took his walkie-talkie to Rocky Ridge, blew his way to Canton, then to Scranton, till he landed under the Manhattan Bridge. Daddy was a new sensation Got himself a congregation Built up quite an operation Down below With the quiet pipe are blowing While the mustard tail
3: was blowing All the cats were go-go-going Down
2: below
3: Daddy, Daddy, Daddy some was, sensation, sensation, was a new sensation Got
2: Flip your wings and fly to daddy flip your wings and fly to daddy flip your wings and fly to daddy fly 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 to daddy take a dive and swim to daddy i take a dive and swim to daddy i take a dive and swim to daddy swim 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 Split it, split it, split it. Do we And the rhythm of life is a powerful beat. Put a tingle in your fingers and a tingle in your feet. Rhythm in your bedroom, rhythm in the street. Yes, the rhythm of life is a powerful beat. To feel the. Lie to your daddy Take a dive and swim to your daddy Hit the floor
1: Listening to
2: Sounds Like Teen Spirit with Charlie Fat, presented by Brushes on Slice Radio.